0: Welcome to episode 39 of the Movie Marathoners Podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me for the first time remotely is my friend, Ian Anderson. Ian, why What's are up? you remoting today?
1: I am remoting today uh, as a method of uh, social distancing yes. to avoid uh, spreading the coronavirus. Yeah,
0: do you have the coronavirus? I don't know. Who knows? You know, Yeah. can't get tested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, true. Yeah, how's life in the apocalypse? We are both here in Boston. We're about a mile apart from each other, but we are remoting just because, uh, well, honestly, the reason was that I was too lazy to leave the house because I'm sort of in Mm. lockdown mode. I think we would have been fine sitting in a room together, just the two of us. But how's life over there?
1: Honestly, you know, it just gives me an excuse to do what I'm already doing, which is just <laughs> sitting at home watching TV and eating stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. Do you have toilet paper? But yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's generally fine. Uh, listen, we did buy toilet paper last week, but we did it because we were running out of toilet paper, not because we're hoarding it.
0: Dude, I have so much toilet paper all the time. I already had a huge thing, like a Costco thing of toilet paper, so I don't know what people are doing. I don't get it.
1: Yeah. No, I have no idea. It's okay. crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, so this has been your um, obligatory Corona vamping at the start of probably every podcast episode for the next six weeks of every single podcast that anybody listens to. But Hashtag ad. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Corona. <laughs> <laughs> by the beer, not the virus. So this week, we'll be talking about two films by an incredibly talented director, Nikki Carroll. If you have not heard of her, she is a New Zealand director who was directing Disney's live-action Mulan. Now, obviously, Mulan has been delayed, uh, which does kind of ruin the relevance of this episode a little bit. But we're going to do it anyways, because that's what we do. We must not stop living. So now (laughs) is a great time to catch up on older films that you may have missed. Um, Before we dig into those films, though, um, Mulan was not the only thing that was delayed by the coronavirus. We've been preparing for something for years, and it was finally going to happen this April. I am, of course, talking about New Mutants. (laughs) No, uh, yeah, no, that also did get delayed. But I am actually talking about the Boston Marathon, which for the first time in history was delayed all the way back to September 14th. Ian, uh, you and I, we have been training for this for a while now. We even did a workout the morning that they announced the delay. Which was, yeah, was last <laughs> Friday, right? No, last Thursday. No, yeah, Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So, what are your thoughts on this decision to delay the marathon? I mean, it's. I think it's one
1: hundred percent the correct decision, but that doesn't make it like suck any less. I guess <laughs> um, it's. But but it is very hard to, I guess, say that I'm like valid in being super upset about it when there when like I look at like reports from like Italy and shit that like. Like people are like suffering in like masses, you know, um, but so I, I find it hard to, I guess, say that it's OK that I'm upset about it, just a marathon getting canceled. But I, I am very, very upset. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's still
1: going to happen. I'm still going to run it eventually. But I feel like it's just not going to be the same.
0: Yeah, it is going to be a little weird. I am. I don't know. I mean, it is best case scenario, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We still get to run
0: it. Yeah, we still get to run it because, I, I mean, I know you and I were talking about if it was going to be canceled, we were just going to run it on the day anyways, just have somebody drive us to the course and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And then there was talks about them maybe just allowing the pros to run, which would have been worst case scenario because we wouldn't have been able to run on that day at all. But now that it's delayed... um, we're just gonna not run for a little while and then start training up again. I'm pretty glad that yeah. this happened before our 18 miler that we were gonna do this Saturday. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It would have really Absolutely. sucked if they were like after that, just be like, oh no, yeah, no, that was that was pointless. So yeah, I don't know. Best case scenario. And plus Boston will still get some of the economic benefits from it and everything. So, you know, yeah, not too bad. Yeah, definitely the best case scenario for us. I mean, it's pretty crazy that so many things are being canceled. It's just like... Man, I, I yeah, it makes sure. sense, but it is crazy, yeah.
1: especially when there are like things like the Boston Marathon that have like never been moved like that.
0: Yeah, it's insane. Disneyland closed for the first time or like for yeah. the fourth time in history. Mm-hmm. I think the other times were when JFK got killed, uh, 9-11 and then some San Fernando Valley earthquake or something. So wow. I don't know. Corona's got good company, I guess. all right so let's let's move on uh as mentioned before this week we'll be talking about nikki caro's filmography by reviewing her 2002 feature whale rider and then her first foray into the disney machine 2015's mcfarland usa mcfarland usa is of course a film about cross-country so i'm sure we will definitely have a lot to say about that uh but let's start with the earlier of the two films uh this one is probably her most critically acclaimed project before we start, we will not be doing spoiler sections for either of these films, so don't worry about any explicit spoilers, but I think what we'll do is, since these films are a bit older, we'll be a little more loose on giving away plot details that we would you know, maybe stay shy away from in uh, a normal episode. So just keep that in mind going forward. And then, as always, we'll conclude with our point two section, where we discuss what else we've been watching, because I think we have a lot of free time, so we've been watching a lot. <laughs> Alright, first, let's read a synopsis of Whale Rider, a contemporary story of love, rejection, and triumph as a young man I should have asked you this before, Ian. Do you know how to say this? Maori? No. Maori. I don't know. As a young Maori girl fights to fulfill a destiny her grandfather refuses to recognize. The film stars Keisha Castle Hughes, Rawiri Parateen, and Cliff Curtis. The film is written and of course directed by Nikki Carroll. Time ago, my ancestor Pikea came to this place on the back of a whale.
1: <laughs> Since then, in every generation of my family, the firstborn son has carried his
0: name Paikia. and become the leader of our tribe.
1: Her name's Pike? No.
0: Not that name. Until now. When she was born, that's when things went wrong for us. I'm gonna need all the firstborn boys. That's where we'll find the answer. So this film is free to watch on Tubi or Tubby or whatever it is. We got to watch it, and there was no ads for mine. Was there anything for you, Ian? No, not at yeah. all. Yeah, so go check out this film on Tubby. It's T-U-B-I. All right, uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on Whale Rider?
1: I actually thought it was really good. And, you know, what, I was very hesitant going into it after looking up screenshots and stuff of the movie. But um, I, one of the things that, that I think I loved... Most about it was just like how gorgeous it is. Yeah. Like New Zealand. It's such a like beautiful place and all the costumes were beautiful too. The cinema the cinematography I thought was one of the best parts about it besides um Keisha Castle Hugh.
0: Yeah, have you ever heard of uh those films what are they called? The Lord of the Rings? Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I have heard of those. <laughs> never never gotten around to see them, but uh Yeah. Yeah, yeah no it, it, it just like Lord of the Rings though it, very memorable um scenes of the landscape and such yeah
0: yeah um I I really like this film too I don't really know what I was expecting it's one of those films that's very quiet and it's very small and calm mm-hmm. in the way that it's filmed and kind of the way that the mm-hmm. characters go about the actions on screen uh it reminded me of Roma in a way especially in the you haven't seen Roma right no, that's OK. You don't have to. But it reminded me <laughs> it reminded me of how uh, films like that, they kind of linger on these smaller moments and they they use these very slow pans of close shots to move from one interaction between characters to another interaction. And those interactions mm-hmm. are happening in, a, in like a bigger scene. And I think this film has like a fly on the wall feel to it. Um, and I think similarly to what you said, I think it's a gorgeous film and specifically in the costuming, and it really does an amazing job at showing the Maori lifestyle. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about the film is that there's a lot of this Eastern cultural experiences and customs that are really quickly explained without anything on the new like there's no on the nose dialogue and there's no yeah, long yeah. exposition or anything to be and explain oh you know family is really important to these people and you you know this this film um, it doesn't treat you like an idiot
1: yeah very much like showing not telling in this yeah. movie which I really liked.
0: Yeah, for sure. There, I mean, there is a narrator. The uh, the main character does narrate the film, which I think helps a little bit with kind of filling in some of those gaps. But I think overall, there's like specific moments in the film where it asks you to take logical leaps that aren't exactly explicit. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really nice. Let's talk a little bit about the acting, because I think this film mm-hmm. really depends on that central performance by Keisha Castle-Hughes. Have you heard of her yeah, before she's this? Great. No, I hadn't. So she was 12. And she was nominated for an
1: Oscar, right? Yeah.
0: She was 12 at the time. And so at the time, she was the youngest person to ever be nominated for a Best Actress Award. Yeah, wow. Eventually, I think like an eight-year-old got nominated for Beasts of the Southern Wild. Did you ever see that?
1: Hmm.
0: No, I haven't. I haven't seen it either. But uh, but it's the, the girl who plays Annie in like the new Annie with Jamie Foxx. Oh, okay. Okay. I think. Yeah. Anyways, but um, yeah. What do you think about the performances in this film? Yeah. No, I thought
1: she was great. Um, I I thought the only memorable performances though were her and I don't remember the actor's name. Uh, oh, Grant Grant Roa Grant Ro uh, uh, the uncle.
0: Oh, I liked the uncle. Yeah, the the uncle. I, was good. I I thought
1: that was really great. I wish he had more screen time, like more of the relationship between the two of them, because I I, I loved every time that he was on screen. <laughs>
0: Uh, I really liked Cliff Curtis. I thought he was really good, and I think he's always really good. He has sort of a, a calming presence to him, and his acting mm-hmm. style is very confident, and I think he always just kind of glows every time he's on the screen. I did not know yeah. he was New Zealish or from New Zealand, because <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time he's playing these Hispanic roles or Middle Eastern roles and things like Three Kings. He was in Fear the Walking Dead. Did you ever watch that show? Uh, no,
1: I, I know what it is, though. I, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, though. Yeah, Um, but so like when I saw his character in this, I was like, this guy looks a lot like Cliff Curtis. (laughs) And then I found out that it was Cliff Curtis and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But I thought the scene between him and his daughter, which who was the main character, uh, I thought that scene was really good and really powerful. Yeah. So I I really liked his contribution to this, even though he's not in it very much either. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, isn't he like typically
1: an actor like who plays villains in movies? Yeah, I feel I feel like he's a very good bad guy actor. And it was just weird seeing him
0: in this. I thought he was good, though. Yeah, yeah he was in Hobbs and Shaw, too. So, yeah, There's okay. that. did you ever so see maybe that? I should go see that. No, oh, okay. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. I liked it. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I, I was just
1: going to say, I thought this I think this film is a really good coming of age story. That's not as much. There are a couple times you could tell where they're trying to reach out to younger audiences. Like, there was a really out-of-place fart joke in the beginning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there were, like, a couple little things like that where I was like, I, you're trying to get the younger people to watch this.
0: I didn't, yeah, I didn't pick up on that.
1: But, but other than that, I thought this was a, a great, you know, movie about... I couldn't so much tell if she really wanted to be, like, the... Um, Oh, what is, like, the, the chief person called?
0: Like, the, the leader? I, I couldn't remember what...
1: what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I couldn't tell if she as much wanted to be, like, the leader that, like, she, like, fought for the entire movie to become, or if she just, like, really wanted to be, like, just accepted by her grandfather. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, because it seemed like he loved, like, every part of her except for when she brought up, like, h- how she should be in charge.
0: Yeah, well, I thought... It- the so i mean the the central theme of this right is about this conflict between who you want to be as a person and who your family wants to be or wants you to mm-hmm. be right and i think that's a pretty common thing for movies to talk about it's not like a super novel concept but they wrap it around with this gender role thing where mm-hmm. she is for all intents and purposes the perfect leader but her dad or i mean her grandfather is just so set On the fact that it has to be the firstborn son. Mm -hmm. And I thought that kind of the, the that wrinkle caused by the gender roles was really interesting. So it's not just so instead of it being kind of the more typical thing of, oh, I don't want to be what my parents want me to be. Right. That you see it a lot in movies. The only one I can think of right now is jump in. Maybe I, I don't know why that, that's the one that it comes to, but, you know, uh, yes. you know the, the classic cinema of uh, Corbin Blue wanting to jump rope. Was Corbin Blue box. nominated for an Oscar for that? I, I think he was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably lost to some schmuck like Daniel Day-Lewis or something. Ugh. Total bullshit. Robbed. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's like a lot of those scenes, but in this one, it's actually, she does want to be at least that's the way i interpreted it is that she feels like she has this destiny to be the whale rider be the uh the leader okay. of the village or whatever but her grandfather is just like no i have this thing i'm set in my ways
1: i kept seeing her becoming chief as like the means to the end of her being like accepted in in culture and by her family but
0: oh yeah i mean i got yeah
1: no i i I could be reading into it too much.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's a perfectly fair interpretation of it. That's just not exactly how I did it. Because the the idea that the grandfather is like, no, it has to be a firstborn son is mm-hmm. an interesting way to show, to show that like you can be really set on something that ends up blinding you to an idea that you would actually be completely happy with. Right. We talk about that all the time. We're like, you're so far yeah. right that you're left. Like, you're just so in your own head about a thing that you envision that you don't realize that what you actually want and need is right in front of you. And I think mm-hmm, that was, mm-hmm. it was cool. I liked that part yeah, of the film. Yeah. I will say, though, that those themes, they feel very 2000-y, yeah. like, especially because we have a film like Moana, where in that film... Moana is just going to be the chief (laughs) and they don't even blink twice about, you know, the fact that she would be a female chief.
1: Well, to be fair, that isn't a Disney movie of like a made up culture.
0: I don't know if it's made. It's not made up, is it? I'm pretty sure that's like real Polynesian culture, isn't it? Well, I mean, I I think the island itself is like not yeah. Yeah. You're right.
1: So they, so they were able to have their own creative choices with that, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm well, I mean, this is also a fictional story as far as I know. Um. So I, I just it just did feel almost like I think at the time it was probably a lot more um, impactful than retrospectively looking at it and seeing that th- that theme uh, talked about in now. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe you disagree. Yeah. No, I get that. Um,
1: yeah, I, it, that actually relates to my biggest complaint, I guess, about the movie, which is, I think the first, like, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes were the most or the least compelling to mm-hmm. me because it felt like stuff that I'd seen before.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It, is, <laughs> like it, yeah. it was very like, oh, you can't do this because of who you are kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it just did feel very, uh, we get a lot of those films and with mm-hmm. one would argue a bit more nuanced than this one. I think the selling part of this is the, the Maori culture. And I think that's really interesting yeah. to see at the forefront. And then also it's really interesting to see it in modern day instead of seeing it in like in a historical period piece or something. Cause even yeah, very Moana, yeah. like they don't drive cars that they're there and mm-hmm. you know, it's a, an ancient civilization in that. So you very rarely see yeah. Maori people, you know, living life with technology and everything, you, you know. So I thought that that was yeah. a really great part of the movie.
1: Yeah, that, that that's very true, actually. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know so.
0: Before we wrap up uh, on this one, I do think it was kind of funny. I want to point out that there's a scene in this movie where a female character is trying to get in with a group of guys who are fighting with stick weapons. Oh, yeah. Which, I don't know. Did that give you Mulan vibes at all?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I kept trying to draw comparisons to Moana. (laughs) Um, But, 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 yeah, actually. Yeah, because I mean,
0: there's like a whole scene where the uncle is raising these, or not the uncle, the grandfather is trying to teach these young Maori boys. The ways of being a man, and mm-hmm. uh what's her They're name? They're all bad at it. <laughs> yeah, and pikea wants to be there too, but she's a woman, so she can't be. I was just like, mm. did somebody watch this movie and think, oh look, she knows, she, she knows the he thing with that, sticks. She can do that scene. <laughs> she can do the sticks thing. Let's let's hire her for yeah. for Milan. I yeah, I always
1: think (laughs) that it's funny funny that
0: you can find tiny parallels like that. I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. And she, I mean, I I think that Nikki Caro's direction in this is actually really good. And Mm -hmm. I think it's good in the other film that we're going to be talking about too. So it's I'm not trying to like degrade it to a a single scene from a movie or something. I just think that that's pretty funny. It it is a funny comparison though, yeah. (laughs) All right, so Ian, what would you rate this out of
1: 10? Out of 10, I think I would give it, uh seven i think i give it a seven yeah
0: okay and would you recommend people see this or yeah i think so actually yeah, yeah. if if anything just because this is the
1: first really like new zealand movie that i I've, I've seen i think
0: have you seen hunt for the wilder people no i know i should yeah what we do in the shadows <laughs> i mean that's more of a vampire oh, i mean region. i got, I, got, yeah. I have seen that yeah. but i didn't count <laughs> that. yeah that's fair you haven't seen thor ragnarok dude <laughs>
1: all right yeah korg
0: <laughs> yeah Korg is <laughs> the new zealand culture yeah. uh yeah i'm i'm right there with you at probably a 7.5 um mm. good movie it's not a movie that i was blown away by or anything but i thought it was really good yeah. and really yeah. well directed and that girl was i think she deserves her acting nomination i thought she was fantastic mm-hmm. do you recognize she her was. from anything else no should i she is a game of thrones character
1: Oh, that's probably why I don't recognize her.
0: Oh, him. okay. I was going to have you guess <laughs> which Game of Thrones character it was. She's Sansa Who? Stark. No. Um, Who is she in Game of Thrones? She's one of the sand people, or sand snakes. Jesus. Sand snakes? I don't know what those are. Okay, n- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler alert, she dies. So Okay, yeah. doesn't everybody? Yeah, basically. Except not the people I wanted to die, but whatever. <laughs> All right, let's move on to McFarland, USA. So first, no biases, Ian. So first, a synopsis. Jim White moves his family after losing his last job as a football coach. He sees that some of the students are worth starting a cross-country team. And what? This is not proper English. Why? I should have read this. He sees that some of the students are worth starting a cross-country team. Okay, and turned seven students with no hope into one of the best cross-country teams. It's a horrible... What the... Okay, the film stars Kevin Costner, (laughs) Johnny Ortiz, and Maria Bello. It is written by Christopher Cleveland, Bettina Giois, and Grant Thompson. And it is, of course, directed by Nikki Carroll. Welcome to McFarland. This is a farming town. These kids working here are invisible. They come from the fields, and they go back to the fields. Mr. White, if we're going to reach him, now's the time. Have a good day.
1: I'm Coach White, your new PE teacher. Diaz, Diaz, Diaz. Popular name where you guys come from? White, that a popular name where you come from? (laughs) All right, run a lap. Go. They're fast. They are. Best country running. California
0: is holding their first state championship this year. You do understand we don't have a cross-country team? Yep. You've coached cross-country before? No. You competed in high school, maybe? No. Well, you sound perfect. Anybody seen Danny? Danny Diaz? Hey, we needed seven. Yeah, seven runners, not six runners,
1: and Danny Diaz.
0: Hey, you're our anchor, Danny, and not because you're fat. And you are a little
1: fat, okay? So we better lose some weight. Let's go.
0: So just before we start, McFarlane USA is free to watch with a Stars subscription, Uh, but we did watch Mm. it by buying the Blu-ray on Amazon because nobody (laughs) owns Starz. You can, of course, also just rent this on Amazon, Google Play or wherever else you rent videos. All right. So this is a film that is about cross-country running. Uh, We have talked before on this podcast about how very few films are about running and how even fewer are actually good films. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, even films like Britney Runs a Marathon, they don't really focus much on the running aspect of the story. But I would argue that in McFarland, USA, it absolutely does. It very much... Mm is about cross country racing and training and being a part of a team like that. Um Ian, you hadn't seen this film before we were going to do this, right? No, I hadn't. I don't know how. Yeah. But why not? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um I think it was just one of those movies that just sort of slipped by me and then I forgot it happened um and never really got around to watching it. But I-, I loved it.
0: Yeah. Well I mean this is very much a Disney sports film. Uh you know they like I feel like Disney just secretly churns these out all the time and they're almost yeah. always decent. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts about this one and specifically?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think this was probably like my second favorite running movie. I, yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really funny though. Like I watched the trailer first and one of the, like the big joke moments of the, the trailer was the principal talking, talking to uh Kevin Costner's character as he's getting hired. And he's like, have you ever coached cross country before? And he's like, no. And he's like, Oh, perfect. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's how it works. Actually. Yeah, that's no. exactly how that works. <laughs>
0: you want $500 um, a week or a yeah but semester? I just thought it was like
1: a, a really real uh cross-country movie story yeah obviously so so many parts of it I couldn't relate to but but it, it, there were so many more that I could
0: right yeah so I think there's two ways to approach this film the first is obviously from you know just the side that we both ran cross-country in high school and in college um and mm-hmm. whether this film depicts that sport in the way that we know it but i want to like i think that's a really interesting conversation but before we do that i just want to talk a little bit about like the film aspect of it Mm -hmm. um i'm a total sucker for feel good sports films like you know it's really easy for them to work on me i get goosebumps really easily when a team comes together and is it's an Mm -hmm. underdog story but even you know even keeping that in mind i thought that this was a really really good film i love it yeah uh i'm gonna just start with a couple negatives though just to get those out of the way it's um maybe not even negatives but observations i think this film is very pat and it it's it's a kid's film right like everybody in the film acts like a g version of what they probably were like in real life so there's not a lot of complexity to some of these characters Um, yeah they they do touch on a couple interesting and darker themes like you know there's some stuff about uh domestic abuse and suicide and, and things like that but they're all just on the periphery and i think that there's a film or there's a version of this film that's not produced by disney that would be a lot more about looking at the uh like the psyche of these characters and what running does to their confidence and things like that that's Mm -hmm. only kind of flirted with in this film um, because it is a Disney film
1: but I do think that when they did touch on those issues I was pleasantly surprised that they did Yeah, because I I was worried I guess when I was going to this movie that they weren't going to touch on as much of that because they were Disney but I think this movie and um, Whale Rider were both like really good uh, sort of coming of age stories that like weren't necessarily too childish you know yeah like they were they were about these young people but they weren't they weren't childish stories i didn't think
0: yeah i no, i agree with you um and i think that the um the the themes and sort of the things that happen in the movie are not childish by nature but they do take a um sort of restrained look at them so there's nothing where it's more they're paying lip service to the idea, with the exception of maybe one or two scenes. They're they're sort of acknowledging that this thing happens, but they're not really showing it. So, for example, there's like a very important, I would argue, and violent altercation that occurs in like the third act of this film, and they don't show it. And it's almost a detriment to the film in the sense that it's a little hard to understand what happens because we don't see yeah, what happens. No, I had
1: no idea what happened.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that the only reason it didn't happen because it does involve some gang violence clearly or something like that. Um, and that's a little too racy for, I, I don't know if this is G or PG, but you know, regardless, I think showing that would have made the film a little more clearer and then had mm. there, it seemed like it was a, f- like that was actually filmed. And it was supposed mm-hmm. to be about the team coming together and, and showing that it's more than a team, it's a family and all this stuff. And they probably were just like, no, we, we got to cut this. That's at least my interpretation of it. Yeah, maybe actually. But anyways, I, I think, you know, so it's it's not really going for that. I think that would have made it a little better. But what we do get, I think, is really great. And that's because the film just has so much heart. I, I did watch one interview with Nikki Carroll, like literally five minutes before we started recording. Um, and mm-hmm. I I don't know if she ever did track or cross country or anything like that, but you can tell that somebody involved in the production really does understand what sports and running um, can do for a kid. And I think that mm-hmm. that's really one of the best parts of this film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think so, too.
0: Like one of my favorite parts about it is that it shows that the sport can open up academic opportunities uh, to people. And I think that's a really incredible and important part of the athletic experience that a lot of people tend to forget about. And it's also not really something that um, that is a focus in sports movies, in my opinion. Like, I think a lot of sports movies, like if you take something like The Blind Side, which this has a lot of parallels to, I would argue, in The Blind Side I mean, there are there are a whole bunch of like, you know, financial benefits and everything like that that are talked about in that movie. But the academic experience is more like, oh, you can you can go and compete at in college to play more football. Whereas I think in this film, it's a little more clear that it's like, yeah, you're going to run, but you can also use running to get out of your hometown or for people Mm -hmm. who are significantly um, more disadvantaged running specifically, but all sports can be used to kind of ascend up the economic ladder and things like that, which I think is really powerful.
1: Yeah. And going along that point, there was a point, like a specific point in the movie where you could tell that uh, Coach White was like starting to see the team more as like this group of kids that he could really help as opposed to them helping him like get out of McFarland you know? Yeah. Like when he first goes in, like he, he sees their talent and he's like, oh, this is awesome. I can get them to, to do well. And then I can apply to better jobs and leave. But then he starts to like, you know, get to know these kids. He goes to work with them and he's like, they're, they're really good kids and, but they're in really unfortunate circumstances and they're trying to do the best with what they have. But like And then he, like, shows them, like, that they can go to college, learn things, and then come back and help their families, like, just, like, in a better way than what they were planning on doing, you know?
0: Yeah. On their own. And the film also does, like, there is sort of, and again, it's not very explicit or well um, realized because this is a Disney film and they tend to kind of just do lip service stuff to, or lip service to this kind of stuff, but... I thought that there was some really interesting commentary about the American dream in this film and specifically with Kevin Costner's character, Coach White, kind of realizing that instead of using this well of talent that is untapped to kind of stimulate, like promote him, he can Mm. actually give these kids an opportunity to achieve the American dream. And I think that is commentary because I think that is a thing that happens a lot is We, you know, people who are in higher economic positions often take advantage and use people who are in lower economic advantages or economic positions to like they use them and give them this false idea that the American, you know, they can achieve the American dream when it's really in their own self-interest. And I think Mm -hmm. that the characters actually call Kevin Cosner out on that. And when he realizes that, he realizes that it's so much more powerful to show these kids that that can actually happen with the right guidance and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I, so I really love that about this film. And I think that that's something that you get from Nikki Caro's direction and her ability to kind of feel authentic to whatever culture she's in um, without feeling stereotypical. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, let's just talk a little bit about the acting. Um, obviously, Kevin Costner's in this. What are your thoughts on Kevin Costner?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think as far as acting goes, he was definitely the standout. Um, yeah. <laughs> there wasn't really... It, it's difficult to, to tell, but I think what I love so much about the team wasn't like their individuality. It was like how they acted as a team. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, there wasn't, there wasn't much going on individually. I think they tried a couple times, but, um, I think they tried with, what's his name? The main kid? Yeah. The the fastest. Oh, one. Jose Cardenas. Yeah. I think they tried a bit with him to, uh, they, they had like a couple scenes with just him and coach and they were like powerful scenes, but I didn't, I wasn't going to come away from them. Like, Oh my God, that kid's a star.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So in the interview that I listened to, um, Nikki Caro talked about how actually all these kids are from McFarland. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and half of them are runners that have zero acting experience. And the other half are actors that have zero running experience. And so what she did was they put them through like a training regime where they were all with each other huh. and they all learned how to act and they all learned how to run. There was one guy who did not wow. know how to act and did not know how to run. <laughs> Do you know which one it was? Was it was it Danny? It was Danny. <laughs> oh, they said that they found him in a Pizza Hut <laughs> and just were oh, like, Danny. They were just like, "We want you in the movie," which I think is sick. Like, good for yeah, Danny. That's amazing. Uh, I loved <laughs> Danny. Let's let's actually use this to segue into just the running aspect of this film. Cause one of yeah. the first comments that I have down here is that Danny every team in high school has a Danny. You had a Danny, right? Yeah, I mean
1: I was I was Danny. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> not not in high school, but in college I was. I was literally Danny.
0: <laughs> you were not big though. <laughs> no. No,
1: but like at the end of the movie, I I was feeling so much like him like I, I almost cried at the end <laughs> yeah
0: th- there's a couple moments in this where I was like oh man I was I was pretty close but yeah no yeah. Danny <laughs> Danny is a great guy. I just feel like there's always like a a pretty heavy dude on the cross-country team that is just like the nicest person in the world and they just love the sport mm-hmm. and they're great I had one of those on my cross country team it's amazing <laughs>
1: yeah I, I guess what I was just thinking about though like Danny like was practicing so hard and he was really just there I guess to improve himself but also like for like the guys on his team and you really see like that work pay off and like I don't know is this too much of a spoiler like the the state championships at the end when they make it to this like huge final competition Danny is one of the guys who scores he gets fifth place on the team top five on a cross country team score there are seven people on the team um, but the top five score and he managed to work his way to the top five. And like when he finished, like it didn't really seem to click with him that he like was in the top five and everybody just like started to pick him up. And like they were like, dude, you were, the, you were in the top five. You scored. You scored. And then like to see that they won after that because of him. Like that's like why like every point matters in cross country. Why every man matters in cross country. Every runner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I- love it. That was like the most cross country moment.
0: For sure. And I thought the film did such a good job at first off getting drama out of a cross country race. I think that's really difficult. And I thought for the most part, they did a fantastic job there. And then, yeah, just that that team aspect of cross country is really important in this film. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know, I've I've never seen a film have that. I think a lot of the other films that are running based are about an exceptional individual athlete. And very much Mm -hmm. not about a group of people coming together. And I think that that's what really makes this film such a good running film. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. The other thing is that the running just looks and feels incredibly realistic. You could tell that all the actors that they got for the people in the race, they were clearly actual runners. Mm -hmm. I've probably complained to you again and again about how I can't stand how there is certain like... Problems in uh, in films where people are like, "Yeah, I'm a track runner," and then th- they like go for a run to like shake off horrible. a yeah, and they, they're either sprinting for like a hundred meters in a, like a, th- a two mile run, or like there there's a couple TV shows where someone's like, "Yeah, I'm a track runner. I run the um, the two hundred, but then they go for like long runs and stuff. Yeah, when they need to think <laughs> about things, it's just like. <laughs> No, A lot of people do track in high school. A lot of people know that what is going on. But I think everything in here feels really authentic.
1: It does. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And um, something that stood out to me as like, maybe they don't know everything about like cross country and stuff, though, it was early on when they first started competing. Somebody made a comment about like what the team looked like. And they were like, oh, they don't look like runners or something. And I, I was like, one of the first things I learned in cross-country is that, like, you absolutely can't judge someone based on how they look. Like, some of the fastest people look like absolute goofballs. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> like,
1: you'd never guess that they are fast. Like, there there can be, like, massive guys sometimes running really fast. There can be, like, really skinny, fit-looking guys running horribly slow. <laughs> Yeah. And that was just something I was like, I don't think he, I don't think you mean that.
0: <laughs> there was a little bit of that like classic sports movie, the other team is filled with douchebags kind of thing yeah. that is very uncommon in running.
1: Yeah, that's true too. That stood out to me. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's it's a lot more common in other sports to kind of be even if it's for friendly or like a friendly rivalry, but it's it's a lot mm. more common in other sports to be very contentious. Uh, against other teams but in running i feel like very rarely do you have somebody say something mean to you on the line yeah yeah. things like that even if you suck or or, you know yeah i will say though that this was in 1987 so you know we didn't run in 1987 maybe it was different and i think they do mention that it's like a a white uh private school sport which it certainly isn't now definitely wasn't in arizona where i grew up with A lot more of our runners definitely were Hispanic and white and Mm -hmm. everything. Like, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's probably a little different back then. But I agree that that, some of that stuff did stand out a little bit as very like, oh, this is very movie-esque. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nobody laughs when a cross-country team score gets announced. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that is something that I kind of hate in, like, these types of movies anyways. Like, any coach worth a damn would tell their athletes to apologize or say that's unacceptable or something like yeah the that is like a lot of the dialogue in this movie also if we're going back to just tiny nitpicks or whatever is that there is some very on the nose racism and things like that in this film that feel a bit wonky but you know overall still I I love this movie um oh something before I forget
1: it's something very minor but I didn't know uh, Yo-Yo from S.H.I.E.L.D. was in that.
0: Yes, I wrote that down. I, <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> I almost texted you immediately when I saw her. I was like, oh, it's Yo-Yo Ramirez. But I didn't want to, uh, like, I didn't want to spoil it for you because I wanted to see yeah. if you had picked it up. So funny. And it was
1: like such a minor role, too. Yeah. Like, she was just in the background.
0: Well, I mean, I think she's like a, a Spanish actor, first and foremost. Like, I don't think yeah. that she was very mainstream. I mean, she's not mainstream. Nobody watches Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I bet half the people listening to this are like, who the fuck is Yo-Yo? But <laughs> yeah, I need mean, a disclaimer for Yo-Yo. Yeah. <laughs> like an asterisk uh, What is like a, a Stanley editors asterisk. Yeah. Comment? yeah. Anyways, um, before we kind of wrap up our thoughts on this, Ian, you mentioned that this is your second favorite running film. This is yes. my favorite running film for sure. But why don't you tell me what your favorite running film is and why it's better than this one?
1: Um, well, it's definitely biased for me. Un- okay. Unbroken is definitely my-, my favorite running movie. Okay. Um, it it was one of the, I think it was probably the first running book I ever read.
0: Oh, you read the book.
1: Yeah. And w- one of my coaches from, uh, from high school, that was his favorite book. And I went to see that movie with him and he cried like a baby, like the entire time. <laughs> and I-, I think that, that, that like whole experience just made it really stick with me. And also, it's just like an amazing story of not really just running, but of like the strength of the human spirit pretty much. And in my head, I, I
0: think that comes from running. So,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm mixed on that movie a little bit. That's the Angelina Jolie directed. Yeah, it was. And I never saw the second one. It's about Louis Zamperini, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I read, I would say, half of the book. Um, And the book does go into a lot more detail into his running and things like Mm. that than the film does. The film feels like it should have been like a miniseries or something, because I think the film is really choppy and it's very Mm. rushed because it has to cover so much time. And I don't think the film works a lot. There's definitely a point in it where I'm just like, uh, I can't watch this anymore. It's, It's too brutal not even based on what they show. I think it's a PG-13 movie, but the dude just goes through so much that it's like, I I don't want to watch every single person in this prison camp punch this guy in the face.
1: Oh yeah, that was
0: horrible. <laughs> That's just, I don't want to watch this anymore after he just survived like the entire thing of Life of Pi. And just, uh, I just, the film is very, very brutal, but I did cry at the very end when they show the real footage of him carrying the torch oh, at the running. Tokyo Olympics. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It broke me. No pun intended, actually.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that reminds me, though. They did something similar at the end of uh, McFarland USA. Oh, way to tie it back. With the, with the credits. They had the um, the real you. Jim White.
0: What? We had to tie it back to the original movie that we were talking about. That's why I pay you the big bucks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but uh, they, they, at the end of the movie, they have the real Jim White running um, with the actual members of the, the team from the McFarlane team in the 80s. And I, I thought that was really cool. They all had, like, the uniform on and stuff. And it was really cool, like, seeing that they are all still run. Yeah. Or at least run enough to on, run on camera for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and just seeing, like, on, honestly, how many of them went off to college And then came back to, like, help their families. Like, they did exactly what they, like, set out to do.
0: Yeah, and that powerful stat was that, like, all seven of them, none of their family had ever been to a single year of college. And every single one of them graduated from a college. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Yeah. And that, just that, like, I'm getting chills thinking about it just right now. Because, like, that is something that running did i both of us right i mean like you know we're not from families that didn't go to college or anything but running opened up academic opportunities for us Mm -hmm. that i don't think that we would have been able to do without running and i think that that part of this movie is what almost made me cry and what just made me go fuck this is just i love this movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely very good so i've got one more question for you ian uh, what running story or event or person do you think should be made into a film?
1: This this is um not as touching of a story I don't think as something like Unbroken or um, McFarland USA. But one of my favorite runners is uh, or was Emil Zatopek. I love
0: that dude.
1: Yeah, he was um, a New Zealand runner, and <laughs> he had the most insane training methods and thoughts about training like he he didn't like when scientists today who work in sports talk about like his zadapex training back in the day they're like yeah none of it like could have possibly helped him it hurt him yeah like he would but like so much of the sport is mental that i think like any sort of damage that his training did to his body like just helped him like mentally like this guy would just go into the woods in the middle of nowhere And sprint all out while holding his breath until he passed out and then get up and do it again (laughs) over and over again. I didn't know that. (laughs) And he would, like, go out with, like, he'd carry rocks in his backpack and just, like, run up mountains. He he did crazy things. And I think think seeing something like that would be so fun.
0: The other thing that he was pretty notorious for was that his form was just absolute shit. Like,
1: yeah. Like he he didn't he knew nothing about running. Yeah, when
0: he <laughs> when he just broke out into a sprint, like it would just look completely awful. And I think that that would you're right that would be. But he had, did end up winning three gold medals at the 52 Olympics in Helsinki. Um, and then also yeah. just a quick correction: he's not New Zealand; he's Czechoslovakian.
1: Oh, Czechoslovakian. Who am I thinking of?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But same dude. I really thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah I th- I think it would still be amazing to watch that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I have just a couple, one of them is a very recent, well, actually both of them are incredibly recent, but the one that I think would be pretty inspiring and very exciting would be Des Linden at the Boston marathon two years ago. Oh, um, yeah. that was of course the year where it was just torrential rain and so many Freely. people dropped out of the race and she was not expected to win, but she was one of the only people to like finish. And, uh, you know, of the elites. And so she ended up winning. I think that would be a really cool story. And then another s- interesting film or like television series or something, not so inspirational, but the Alberto Salazar stuff that's currently happening, I think, would be really Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, of course, the whole doping scandal uh, that happened at the Nike project, Nike Organ project. If you don't know about that, look it up. It's really fascinating and frustrating. But I think it would make for some pretty interesting and dramatic media
1: yeah i mean they could go in so many different directions within Oregon project story they could go with doping or they could go with like coaching abuse (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um but like i mean i think the absolute thing that i want more than anything is basically exactly what netflix did for cheer like a documentary following a team but it was running if they did that yeah and just did like a documentary series where they talked about different kids on the team and you know, I, I would die a very happy man if I got to watch that show. Netflix, please. yeah, Please. That'd be amazing. Please. I agree. All right, Ian, let's wrap this part up. Uh, why don't you give me your score for McFarlane USA out of 10?
1: Uh, I think I would give it an 8.5. 8.5, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a solid movie. I really liked it. But, of course, it was very, like, disney
0: Yeah, yeah, completely agree, but I'm going to give it a higher score because I'm biased. I'm going to give it a 9 (laughs) out of 10. I just, this movie is so good. I don't know if people will like it as much if you've never ran or even if you like ran a little bit in high school, but, you know, just did it so you could put it on a resume. I don't know. There's a huge bias here, so go into it knowing that, but it's definitely worth it. And I think it's going to be on Disney Plus in like 2022 or something offensive. (laughs) Have you? Have you, have Why? you ever, I don't know. But if you type in McFarland USA on Disney, it's like, yeah, due to existing rights right now, it's not on Disney Plus, but it's going to be here. And it's a specific date. It's like September 17th, 2022 or something. <laughs> wow. How can they plan that far ahead? What We don't even know what's going to happen. We might be dead by then, Ian. Corona may have just wiped out <laughs> everybody. And they're planning fucking McFarland USA to come onto their thing in like two years from now. Mm -hmm. all right (laughs) okay so let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff that we've been watching ian what have you been watching so in my
1: week of being quarantined i uh gave into watching love is blind on netflix oh
0: my god i've met the person i want to spend the rest of my life with i've never seen her before here you will choose someone to marry. Hello. Nice to hear from you. Hi. Can't say see ya without ever seeing. 24/7
1: you. If you're ready to find the love
0: of your life. Game time. The pods are now open. What kind of work do you do? So what are some of your biggest turnoffs? So what are you looking for in a woman? Ethnicity, race, I mean, physical appearance. None of that matters. I'm really
1: starting to emotionally connect with you. This could be a remarkable love story. And listen, that show is... I've never seen worse editing, I don't think, <laughs> in, in any show. But it's, it's the kind of show you can't look away from. It's like watching a, a train wreck. Like... <laughs> like <laughs> these people are all like so horrible and stupid <laughs> but but it works because you know they're all horrible and stupid so the, they they start falling in love with each other and then obviously that doesn't work out because they have like a week of not not seeing each other to a yeah i guess i should preface this love is blind is about is it dating reality show where a bunch of uh men and women are placed in separate pods they call them they're like like cordoned off rooms and they can only hear each other from each pod they can't see each other and you're supposed to find your soulmate that way um yeah and of course like you there are only like 10 of them so at a point some one guy is like well i have two girls left i have to marry one of them <laughs>
0: So, like, As I think it was in very, the real world.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, the, the whole thing is, like, oh, can you truly love someone without, like, uh, seeing what they look like first? And then, like, they have surprisingly only the first, like, two episodes, I think, is in the pods. And then the rest of it is the couples after that on their, like, after they've been engaged, how they live with each other, meeting each other's parents, stuff like that finding out if each other are racist or not. Um, it, it's really fun.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> but
1: yeah, it, it's such, it's such a great movie. If you if, or a great TV show, if you like people watching. Yeah. Um, and like looking at idiots and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, there, there, there was a reunion episode that I just watched actually. And surprisingly two couples are still together. So,
0: and how many episodes is this? It's like 10,
1: Love love is blind. Uh, Ten, ten episodes. Yeah. yeah. I think so. So
0: when you were watching, the, and did you watch all of it? Yeah, just finished this morning. Okay, yeah. So when you... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So when you were watching it and you sent me like a Snapchat of it saying that it's like a train wreck that you can't look away from, I showed the snap yeah. to Dana because she loves this show. And she was like, oh yeah, wow, Ian and I have the same taste in TV shows. And I was like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Like, no, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't get behind this show, but I trust you. I mean, you've watched The Bachelor. Yeah, I, I, I've stopped watching The Bachelor though because I can't. I can no longer get behind that show either because <laughs> it's just there is so much good television to watch. And actually, I feel like a total <laughs> jackass saying this because, just wait until what my point to is, but. There's just so much good things to watch that it's really hard to justify watching things that aren't at a great quality level, you know. Yeah. So like, I could watch eleven hours of that, or I could watch eleven hours of Better Call Saul or something. So it's <laughs> it's tough to justify, but uh, I'm I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed it, even at like a surface oh, level. Thank you, thank
1: you very much. I can't wait for a second season.
0: Oh, geez, is there a second <laughs> season? I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now it's time to paint a clown mask on me um because what i watched was uh, high school musical the musical the series
1: when i heard that the high school where high school musical was shot had never staged a production of high school musical the musical i was shocked inspired and triggered as a millennial
0: auditions are after school i've seen the original movie 37 times and the first 15 minutes of both sequels. It would be insane to think I might actually have a shot at playing Gabriella. I know we're not a couple anymore. It was my idea to take a pause.
1: I didn't want to take a pause.
0: I can't believe it. she's dating E.J. Haswell. This is a nightmare.
1: Okay, theater people. I want to audition for Gabriella. Ryan, right? I think he'd rather play her pay. That is so fresh.
0: I'm bummed that we don't have any competition here. She has to see me in a whole new light. I'm auditioning for this thing tomorrow, and nothing is going to stop me. The cast list is posted. We have our Gabriella and our Troy. Buckle up, Wildcats. It's about to get real. Oh, right. Yeah, you know, classic <laughs> Emmy bait. Yeah. So, this is Disney Plus's original series, which is the fictional story about a musical stage production of the classic. Disney Channel original movie, High School Musical. So it's a series about the musical based on High School, the musical. And that the musical stage production is taking place in the actual East High School, which is in Utah, which is where the actual film was shot. Right. Yeah.
1: Just what everybody, just what everybody wanted. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> and, you know, the reason that it's at the actual school doesn't, is not clear to me. It doesn't really make any sense. There's no yeah. purpose behind it other than for nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. Um, which just uh, that alone, I think is pretty wild that we're at a point in our lives, I guess, or whatever at, at our age that there's nostalgia for high school Musical like <laughs> that's weird. I think that means that we're we're getting older. But that's also such it's such a shitty movie, but I love the movie. Anyways, okay. Yeah. So uh, this film is or I mean this series is sh- sort of filmed like a mockumentary. <laughs> like they It's per- so hard to tell. Yeah. Though. They they per- so you, I'm you have seen this. We have talked about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the characters they talk to the camera and it's filmed as if like we're watching the production of the show, but that happens every 20 minutes and these episodes are 30 minutes long so it's like sometimes it's just a teen drama for a long time and then nobody addresses the camera and then it'll randomly cut to somebody addressing the camera and you're like oh yeah they're doing this thing for some reason yeah i don't yeah, yeah <laughs> this movie's a fucking mess or this show is a fucking mess but like against all my better judgment there were huge portions of it where i just i just loved it ian i don't i don't know. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what's wrong with me um yeah the acting is is pretty bad it's
1: horrible horrible horrible
0: <laughs> the adult characters are written horribly the last few episodes like the last two episodes where there's the actual stage production are just awful and then there's a couple moments where characters will just break out into powerful song and it's so cringy and bad Yeah, Um, so all
1: all of the adults in that show should be arrested. They should all be in prison. Oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
0: there is. Yeah, there is so much about this stuff that just doesn't work. But for whatever reason, I just really got into the kids and their relationships and their like stupid, petty as fuck drama. So I don't know. I just did spend five minutes saying that I can't get behind Love is Blind, but apparently I'll watch High School Musical, the musical, the series. So um, don't listen to me. My opinion is... Yeah,
1: that's that's the point of this podcast. Yeah,
0: the point of this podcast <laughs> is that you just wasted the last hour of your life because I have nothing meaningful to say, because nothing yeah. I think makes sense. You got got. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I the, the things I do like about it is that they do at least put a little effort into the characters. I think unlike... <laughs> Hold on. I have, <laughs> I'd love to hear that. I have a salient point here. Give me a second. <laughs> um, I think a lot of the, the Disney Channel original series, because they're so long and they're like 26 episodes or whatever, and they have to keep going and going and going. All of those characters mm. are just vessels for comedy that are very broadly outlined and their character resets at the start of each episode. They never really learn anything, and they rather, mm. never really develop as characters. But I think the characters here—they actually do show growth over the ten episodes, and they are learning lessons that actually do change what they do in later episodes. So, at a minimum, it's competently made narrative TV show.
1: Yeah. So, so you're praising it for for characters. Being made sort of real,
0: yes. I I wouldn't say I'm praising it, but I'm saying that it's better than I was pleasantly surprised by it when I thought it was just gonna be another Disney Channel show. It doesn't feel like a Disney Channel show. It does feel like an ABC Family show, which is not much better. Yeah. But like, there is there's there's stuff going on with these kids that is at least somewhat realistic and meaningful. And I think the characters do overall they act like characters in a TV show, but they act like kids and they do things that are somewhat reasonable based on the defining traits that they were given. And those yeah. defining traits do change. So it's not That's true. it's not nothing TV. It's just pretty close. <laughs> I I do think that like
1: if anybody is listening who, who has like worked on a musical before in like the stage crew or like acting in it they're going to hate this show like yeah I pres- presumably everybody working on this show was in theater at some point in their <laughs> lives but you could not tell it by watching this show
0: <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's a ton of just <laughs> like horrible. that would never happen that would, I mean, I mean, just the, the last two episodes where they actually put on the stage production. If I was a person in that audience, I would be livid that I paid my money. I would have
1: walked out. Yeah. <laughs> and like everybody seemed on board.
0: <laughs> yeah. I certainly wouldn't like invite one of the the actors to a prestigious boarding school or whatever. Like Jesus. Then, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this does have a lot of problems, but, yeah, you know, it's 10 episodes, 30 minutes of <laughs> pop five hours i watched it yeah, while i was working it. yeah <laughs> all it costs is 7.99 to the mouse's pocket it's fine um but yeah i, I mean i don't know i th- there also are a couple really funny moments in it like if you're a fan of the original film I think this mm. will do it for you. It'll give you that nostalgic thing that you're looking for. And I think the film is, or the series is at its best when it's kind of shitting on the original film and making fun yeah, of it. I would agree with that. There's a couple sure. moments where I, I did genuinely laugh out loud because they showed that something was really dumb in the original movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then the other thing that was surprising to me, especially given how much Disney likes to stroke itself for really, really shitty representation in its feature films i thought this film had a lot of representation in terms of minorities and uh gay and lesbian relationships and things like that they're Mm. not as um prominent as certain things like you know like the cw or anything like that but they are there and it's not a thing that you can just cut out and give to the philippines you know so yeah i was surprised by that yeah so Disney Plus, if you have it, <laughs> you could do worse. Probably, maybe you could do a lot better though too. So,
1: wow, you should advertise for that.
0: <laughs> put that. <laughs> they should put that on the uh, the Blu-ray of the <laughs> yeah. High School Musical, the series, the musical, the review. If you don't have it, you could do worse. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has been our review on Nicky Caro's films, Whale Rider and McFarland, USA. Ian, thank you for joining me as always. Is there anything you want to plug?
1: You know, I'll plug my Twitter. Uh, Follow me at iAnderson on on Twitter. The O is a zero.
0: Nice. You did have a uh, semi, 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 semi viral tweet that attracted the media to you. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, I did. I I tweeted about how I was going to run on the the Boston Marathon course, even if it was canceled. And I actually got a lot of messages from like angry uh, middle-aged women telling me not to. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: I didn't, I missed that. Didn't yeah. you also get reached out to by like journals that were...
1: Yeah. And then a, a couple of uh, publications reached out to me to interview me and I just sent them a couple of messages back just in DMs that they could use in stories.
0: That was cool. Did you tell them that we don't care if the old people die as long as we can run our little race?
1: Yeah. I said, I said the less competition, the better.
0: Oh, great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast, Ian.
1: Of course. Yeah. Love to be here.
0: All right. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at Incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. And you can always reach out to us at our email, MovieMarathonersPod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Please subscribe or write a review or donate some toilet paper if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve podcast is always appreciated. Thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time when, uh, you know, it's pretty much completely up in the air. Uh, I was originally going to have Ryan Terry back on the podcast to talk about A Quiet Place 2. But that was delayed as well. So we will likely be pivoting to something else. Um, I'll try and figure out what that's going to be too soon. So stay tuned for that. Until then. bye. My name is Cindy Burnett and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast thoughts from a page. We talk spoiler free about their books so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. the importance of the cover design,